0: back, Freedom Junkies, to another episode of Freedom Junkie Radio. This is the first time that I have interviewed someone twice. I'm so happy to have Jim Gale of Food Forest Abundance back on the show. Jim has some stuff that he is really excited to share with us. Food Forest Abundance has grown gangbusters. Like, imagine your watermelon plant producing 90 more times watermelon than you thought possible. I think that's what happened with Food Forest Abundance uh, over the last year and a half. And then we also have Michael with us. Michael, Jim's gonna introduce you because you, you're you gonna tell us what you're doing up in Montana. So we're gonna be
1: talking about off-grid
0: living today. Welcome, guys.
1: Oh, thank you, Betsy. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here sharing the message of freedom from a place of actually living it. I'm here at Galt's Landing where we are designing, we have designed and we are now installing all of the elements needed to be completely free into the landscape, the fabric of our community. Now, what does that mean? Well, food, water, energy, complete self-reliance, community and community fun types of things are designed in. And the lawful versus legal ownership and stewardship of land is also designed into our system. In other words, we don't deal with the government permits or government tax rolls. We don't deal with any of that stuff. We are away from that system and we are showing people how easy it is. And this is where I'd like to introduce Michael Hoffman. Michael Hoffman has been living off the grid in Montana for how long, Michael, have you been proving this lifestyle?
2: So just over two years now uh, with my wife and my two young children, I got a four-year-old boy and a five-year-old, uh, five-month-old girl. So it's a, a beautiful way to bring up kids and a beautiful way to live out here. Uh,
1: it's so amazing. You know, people have this illusion that living off-grid means living in a cabin in the woods and means hard work. Now, I think that kind of off-grid is absolutely beautiful, but a lot of people don't want to do that. So we are showing all of the different ways that people can be completely off the grid and actually have way more time to enjoy life, right?
2: It's a beautiful thing. And really, I hope that we can inspire people to just start taking steps in that direction today because it's not all about, you know, you have to go 100% cutting off your ties, but just take a step, start taking some of that power back liberate yourself, start living in a little bit more freedom, and actually today I hope that we can show you ways that you can even leverage that and reap the savings and security for your household, while also earning a profit, so it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Okay, so who wants to start? I know you've got a lot of stuff going on at Galt's Landing in Florida. Michael, what you're doing in Montana, how do you want to do this, Jim?
1: Well, I can start with some of the big picture vision and goals. So in permaculture, which is the science that we follow, the ethics and the principles of permaculture, which stands for permanent culture. Originally, it stood for permanent agriculture, but the holistic approach is to bring all of the other elements into the picture, like this lawful versus legal strategy and all of the different components with off-grid food water and energy even ham radio communication so the big picture is to demonstrate what it looks like to live this way not just what it looks like but the experience of it so i'll give you some for instances so here at goss landing 12 months ago we had a cattle pasture flat cattle pasture now we have hundreds and hundreds of different edible plants in the ground, over 200 different varieties of food producing plants. We have solar systems and wells that allow us to suck the water out of the ground and pump it throughout the food forest, completely off the grid. We have a pond with 14,000 fish. We put in about two and a half months ago and we use the water from the pond to fertilize and irrigate, which is to fertigate the whole food forest around the pond. We have a fence that's 3,000 feet long and every eight feet on the fence, we have a new vining plant, a new food producing plant, turning the fence into a food fence. So in this community, we can live completely free of the system. We literally don't even need money to live in this community because everything we need is produced on site.
0: It's, I mean this is a dream for for many people. So and and I love your philosophy behind it that if we I've heard you say it many times. I when I was introducing you I neglected to say that you are one of the most inspirational people that I've ever met. I mean after our last interview I was just flying. It I mean just it inspiring. Um so uh this living off grid um Oh, what was I saying? Something about you recently, you've been talking about, oh, just if we can get a lot of people thinking this way, then we win.
1: Then we win. And it's one step at a time, as Michael referred to. And Michael's amazing with the details. So I'll, you know, maybe share a couple more tidbits and then I'll turn it over to Michael because he can get into the really fine details of how logical this is taking the square foot, and this is Jack Spirico says this often, you start on the first square foot outside your back door, right? You walk outside your back door, plant a seed there, and watch that seed come to life and start producing for you. This is the magic of it all. In, in a show called The Land of Plenty that we, we're doing, um, the, the last line in the show is, The Garden of Eden is thought to be a utopic fantasy. People would even get mad if we claim that that's a possibility in our world when it's literally the most logical thing we could ever do. When we transform 50% of the 44 million acres of lawn in the United States, you notice I said 50% because I like lawns. Lawns are functional to a degree, right? But when we take 50% of the lawn, and we simply plant perennial edible landscapes on that piece of lawn, we reverse mass extinction. We reverse deforestation. We reverse cancer and diabetes and heart disease trends. We end hunger and we end tyranny by doing what's good for us and good for the planet. The only thing this isn't good for, at least by their own ignorant insanity is the corporations that are monopolizing and destroying our planet. Those corporations will either adapt or fail because insanity is unsustainable and we are showing a better way. Thank you to the permaculture movement and the giants that have led this movement for generations.
0: Okay, so two questions. Um, One is some people I think shy away from jumping in because they think, you know, part of what I want to do is travel. And if I have this homestead life where I have animals and and gardens that I have to water and maintain, then I'm going to not have freedom, the, the kind of a freedom
1: that I want. What would you say to that? I would say that that is the BS that's been programmed by the same corporations that have taken our freedom. It's BS, it's bad science, it's belief systems, and it's bullshit. The landscape that I have outside this window, I'm not, you can't see it. I'll walk out there as Michael's talking and I'll I'll walk around and show you, is less maintenance than a lawn. Like that, when people realize that one fact, that it's, that a fruit tree, and by the way, I don't grow the fruit tree. The fruit tree grows itself. I simply provide a home for it and the right guild, the right functional plants around the fruit tree where the fruit tree has the neighbors, the community that it takes to thrive. So that's the permaculture design. That's the Freedom Farm Academy design aspects that we put into the system. And
2: then it's simply living in freedom and abundance everywhere. And okay. it's really, uh, if I could add on to that, it's that design that empowers you to have that freedom to, to leave the site. Because what we're talking about here, when we mention a food forest, it is literally a forest of food. So you're setting up a stable, self-fertile, closed loop ecosystem. So think about a forest near your neighborhood and think about the last time you saw people out there watering and fertilizing and spraying pesticides on it. They're not because it doesn't need to happen. Nature is growing that. And even when it comes to animals and integrating animals in the system, we don't believe in putting them into a scenario where you're having to bring outside inputs to feed those animals. That's not a closed loop and that's not functional. So all of the the food and water that they need should be harvested and produced on site. And that's how we implement and integrate animals into our designs.
0: Okay. Okay. So you're raising the food for the animals that, I mean, that's, Okay. That sounds like something that would be, that would, it seems like you need feed for your animals, but I guess when we had chickens, we had chickens for a long time. And a lot of what they ate was the bugs and the weeds and stuff around here. But, um, okay. So here's my other question. And it is in Texas, they're not letting it rain. They haven't let it rain for a while. And I had to let my garden go this we're on rainwater. So I didn't, we ran out of water. We've been trucking in water. We've had three trucks of water. It just, it's It rained last night. I think we got three quarters of an inch, which is wonderful. Uh, it takes eight inches to fill up our cistern. And last summer, there was enough rain to where I could sustain a garden, but this summer there just wasn't. And so as utopic as it does sound and I don't believe in utopia and I know that's not what you're selling. You're selling a a realistic version of of what we can have, but, um, we are up against the weather modification out there. And I know y'all just got nailed with a giant, uh, hurricane in Florida. And if you listen to, I know you've spoken with Dane over at, um, geoengineering watch. I, I, I keep tabs on what he's saying it it always terrifies me Um, so I have to keep it you know I listen sometimes but um, the weather is being manipulated that's not a secret it's been manipulated since the 1950s and so you can you can tell you're already nodding like you know where I'm going with my question here Uh, if you're gonna have a food forest that works you've got to have rain so what do we
1: do Well, there's two logical answers to that. The first one is if you don't have a solution to live where you're at, then to move. Now that's not an easy solution, but if that's the most logical one, then it is. Now, what I would do if you don't want to move is I would design into the system uh, a way to catch and store way more water. So three quarters of an inch of rain over a lot of ground is thousands, hundreds of thousands of gallons of water, maybe even millions, depending on how much ground it is. So there are ways using permaculture designs like swales, ditches on contour, to grab all of that water before it runs off of your property.
2: And that's really the most effective way you can harvest and store water is using the land and the landscape, because that is your largest catchment area on the property. It's your whole property. Mm-hmm. So if you can get those swales, you can divert it and you can actually plant that water into the ground. So what I mean is get it below the surface. If you know, you're know you worried about transpiration and evaporation, convection from the wind, that kind of stuff, get it into the ground, get it into the plants and that helps to hold it into the landscape. So there's actually ways that you can do that and guide that water directly to the plants so it doesn't just evaporate and get blown off the property.
0: Okay. Yeah. I like that answer better than moving because what if I move somewhere that they decide to not let it rain?
1: (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. And and by the way, I just want to share one more point. This has been done in the deserts of Jordan. It's been done all over the world. If somebody wants to see transforming a desert, there are videos on YouTube showing uh, an area that looks just horrendously dry. And then within a few years, it's green and producing a lot of food um now i just want to say these this is our sweet potato harvest from a small patch of ground right over here this is about 90 pounds of sweet potatoes and the amount of energy that took to grow those was maybe maybe an hour of energy and now we have 90 pounds of food yeah
0: that's awesome yeah i know sweet potatoes are a great ground crop
2: Yeah, they're fantastic. Rich in calories, rich in vitamins and minerals. And true sweet potatoes are one of the few tubers that you can actually eat the greens, too. You can cook those up and eat them almost like a spinach. So very versatile crop there.
0: Okay, so I want to hear about uh, what's Jim. Do you want to show us around a little more and then we can talk about Montana?
1: I would love to. So this is one of our propagation stations. It is so incredibly easy to propagate most types of food, right? These are dragon fruit. This is one little start like this. If you buy that online, sometimes it's eight to $15. And if you give the right soil, maybe some compost tea and you give the right environment, you could have hundreds and even thousands of those a year on an area that's only you know, a couple thousand square feet on the ground, right? Even less than that, you could stack them. And same with like cran- cranberry hibiscus. So we take a cranberry hibiscus bush, a plant, a stick, and we chop it up into hundreds of little sticks. Then we put those in soil. Now we can sell each plant for five bucks, maybe even more, but better yet, we can grow these plants out and they can provide an incredible amount of food. Same goes with yucca and papayas and turmeric and all of this stuff. Now, this is the important part. Our food supply chain is done. Most people aren't aware of that yet, but the fact that it's done means what? means the opportunity is in becoming a supplier of food. Show people how easy it is to grow food and then be a supplier for your community. And that's, that's what this Freedom Farm Academy is all about.
0: Okay. So Freedom Farm Academy, that's, that's a little offshoot of the, um,
1: Oh, so yeah, that's the product that, so here's what happened is when we tell people to grow food, when we show them growing food online, they look at it and a lot of people say yes, but most people still have the belief system that it's hard to do. And they don't take the next step because they don't know what they don't know. When people have come here to Galt's Landing and they walk around and they're like, I can't believe it. Some people have tears in their eyes. Some people are crying of joy because they realize what's possible. And that's when they're hooked. That's when they say, I want a food forest. And then that becomes an incredible opportunity. Okay. So people can come see, can
0: come join you.
2: Exactly. So that's the whole idea behind the Freedom Farm Academy and the opportunity that Jim just identified that we realized over the last 17 plus months of doing this and actually getting uh, over 540 designs now done and in various stages of being put in the ground. So roughly one design and one food force that's going to outlive the hands that designed and installed it for every day that we've been in business, which is pretty incredible. But People get called to action when they actually experience this. It it doesn't become this thing that sounds really nice and okay, well, we'll do it in five years. We'll do it in 10 years. It lets them realize that they can do it now. There's nothing holding them back. It isn't going to be a full-time job to maintain it. It is something that you can live in. And Betsy, what you said earlier is very true and very important for this conversation, which is that once we get mass adoption of these ideas, once we get more people, just taking a little bit of that power back, as I said earlier, the control systems, the weather warfare, all of the craziness that we see out there is actually being fueled by our energy and by our dependence on that system. So when we're dependent on the government, on the mind control, on the would-be controllers of this for food and water and energy, And to really sustain us, almost uh, positioning themselves in the role of mother and father, when you really think of it, that they're keeping us in a childlike state, being dependent on them for our entire life, most of us. So if we start taking a little bit of that power back, then that is how we address the problem. And we actually give them the choice in the spirit of freedom. We give them that freedom of choice. You can come along with us, or we can dismiss you because we no longer need you. So that's really the idea here and through the Freedom Farm Academy, we don't want just one in Florida, we want one in every community across the earth so that people can actually come and experience these solutions and actually get empowered to bring those experiences home through the designs, consultations and installation services that each Freedom Farm Academy offers
0: okay so explain a little bit about that if somebody listening to this or watching is suddenly inspired what should they do
2: well first thing i would suggest is please reach out to us you can find us at foodforestabundance.com or reach out to me directly michael at foodforestabundance.com. and i would love to talk with you about the various ways you can get involved but there are so many ways you can get involved so to kind of go through different levels of that You could start by engaging us for our services to help you craft a thoughtful design that is going to be stable and abundant and provide for yourself and your household, which is the most powerful first step you can take. Then if you want to share that mission with others, I would encourage you to become an abundance ambassador where you can really talk about these solutions with your friends, your loved ones. And if they decide to take action to get a design or to get an installation done you would actually get a commission or referrals, our way of saying thank you for helping to spread this vision. So if that's one where you want to leave your journey, that's fantastic because you are helping to change the world. You're helping to get more food force in the ground. And as Jim always says, food force everywhere equals freedom. So that is how we see freedom. Now, go ahead, please go ahead, Betsy.
0: Well, I was going to ask, I'm, I'm curious about this uh, how you've extracted yourself from the legal system. You used the words
1: lawful versus legal, if one of you would speak to that. Yeah. So I am about a second grader in this process, maybe a third grader. I'm just learning. But what I know for sure, I had a fella here this morning. He took his property completely off of the county tax rolls. He is no longer part of this unethical, unlawful unconstitutional system he simply learned how to do it and did it so and by the way this goes for our passports like i'm getting a new passport with everything new about it whereby i am not part of this corpse paration and i don't know how to explain it intelligently beyond that other than I'm learning. And I believe very much that it is real, as long as you follow a process. And that's what I'm in the process of now.
0: Okay, well, that'll be really cool when you because I'm the same way. I know that all that you can become a, you know, a, a sovereign citizen, you can, like, get rid of your straw man, there's all these things people talk about. And I'm aware of it. I think a lot of us are, but we look at it. And we think, again, we're programmed heavily, that that sounds really, really difficult. And I don't, it's probably not as difficult as it sounds. So as your process moves along and you start to understand it better, I would love to have you on again to explain that because I think a lot of people, I may I could look into it and, and have someone on the show to talk expressly about that. And I really should. Um, someone who can explain it well, but um, I love
1: it. Yes, I can introduce you to these people. They're fantastic people
0: okay that would be really cool um I know that there's something called the land patents where you can you can take your land back you go all the way back to when the land was originally it's called a patent but it's really more like the land grant back in the day yeah. and you you have to find the history of it all the way back to wherever it was given over and it was not a taxable thing at that time and it shouldn't have ever become that way so and people do it um and then once you've done that it's permanent from what I understand, you can pass it along. Like if you sell your property, you can sell it as a land patented property. So, yeah. but, um, so you guys are in two totally different environments in Florida. You can grow dragon fruit and papayas in Montana. You can't. So y'all's properties are going to look very different, but obviously they can produce a lot. I'm curious about what you do in Montana.
2: So yeah, I I don't know if your uh, viewers can see out the window here, but definitely a different landscape from what it looks like there with Jim. We got our first snow over the weekend. so. uh, But there is, it's funny because when I moved out here and when I talked to people in the area, there is this idea, this belief system that we can't grow food out here. We can't do it. it. The season is too short or it's too cold and it couldn't be further from the truth. Not only have I proven that, on the annual side. And, you know, by being thoughtful about where I place the annual garden on my property, we had uh, some frost come through as Montana does pretty uh, early in the season. Oh, it looks like Jim's got a visitor there. And uh, it wiped out all of the squash and tomato plants for all of my neighbors. And yet mine were still producing. Mine, I got about three extra weeks of harvest. And when you think about that, that extra time is extra calories that I can store and use over the winter. But even beyond that, looking at the perennials, the issue is that most people have become so disconnected from their landscape, they have no idea what grows, what is native here, what is producing food right outside of my back door. So I could go outside right now, I've got winter berries down on the driveway, I could go get some rose hips, I've got cambium growing in the the pine trees outside. We've got choke cherries, which uh, if I got a sore throat right now, I could go get some bark, make some medicine off of it. And everything that I just told you is actually just growing. Those aren't things that I planted. So we're living in a food forest already if you're living in the forest here. But there are so many other things that you could plant into this, like honey berries, which are actually a relative of honeysuckle and they are delicious. There's Saskatoons that grow out here, buffalo berry. Most people don't realize you can actually even grow kiwi out where I'm at in zone four in the United States. You can grow hardy kiwi vines. They are delicious. They produce a ton of food. You can grow hazelnuts. I mean, there's just so much that, you know, it's not just flavor and vitamins, but, you know, as I said, hazelnuts or ground nuts, which are like a tuber, you can actually get substantial calories out of this system too. So it's about changing what you want to see on your plate, becoming familiar with a wider variety of foods. And yeah, maybe if you're in Montana, you shouldn't start out by growing bananas, but that's okay because there's a ton of other stuff that you can grow that I think you will find just as, if not more delicious when you taste it for the first time.
0: Well, you know, I am completely aware that Native Americans survived, thrived for millennia all over the place, you know, all the way up to Alaska. So, I mean, to think that it sounds difficult, we're just
1: being wusses. Yeah. And they had a lot more free time than we do. Mm-hmm. I've researched a lot of communities that do these types of things. They have incredible amounts of free time. Um, in fact, I've lived, I lived in Africa with the Maasai and their life was like all free time. It was amazing. We would walk from place to place. I'm like, what do you do all day? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, This is what they do all day. (laughs) They play games. They have festivals. And I actually got invited to a really crazy one. Um, Anyway, long story, but uh, same thing in Chiang Mai. I lived in the jungles of Chiang Mai for a short time. And it was the same thing. These people had more free time than we do. They lived healthier, more abundant lives than we do. So it's just becoming aware of what's possible and then simply wanting to do that.
0: I mean, the idea of free time is something that we haven't been programmed to have. You're supposed to get two weeks of vacation, Jim.
1: <laughs> oh my God, what a what a paid to live slave system, right? It's a slave system. But now Geert just said, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. Mm-hmm. And sit with that for a while like I did. And it's profound when we finally realized that these addictions have become our slave master, the realization of that creates the awareness which leads to a new choice. And the choice, once you're aware of the choice, is always freedom.
0: Well, you know, I interviewed Hena Maria recently and we went, into, we went deep into the fact that we've become aware of the cage and the cage doors open. And so now we're stepping out, but as caged animals, you don't, you kind of want to go back into the cage. That's where you're comfortable. You know, you know, this is the unknown. And we were talking about, well, what do you do? How how do, we're the first ones, you know, it's been uh, hundreds of years before, you know, since people had to, maybe not hundreds, you know, our, some of our ancestors here in the United States were, had relative freedom and were growing their own food and all of that. but. This looks like one of the things people could do instantly if they're seeing, they're recognizing the the beast system that has us, uh, has completely owned us. And we just, we're waking up to it. And you think, what do I do? We'll start growing some food and just see where it goes.
2: Yeah, and if you're one of the first ones who in your community has really woken up to what's going on, sees it, then you kind of have a a duty and a responsibility to share that. And I don't mean by going and and preaching and trying to convert your friends and family who aren't ready for it, because we all know how that goes. We've been there. We've done that. If the time isn't right, they're not going to receive that seed that you're planting. However, if you start living that way and you start demonstrating it Mm. and allow them to see the difference, see the joy that you're experiencing, see your vitality improve, your quality of life improve. That is going to catalyze some change. That's going to ignite a spark in them. Hey, what did you do? What are you doing different? Why are you so happy all the time? What, you know, that starts that conversation in a way that they can receive it. And that'll help inspire that change. So really uh, we're looking for those fellow pioneers right now and people who have the courage to be leaders in this movement. And the hardest thing is taking the first step. The second and third and fourth and fifth and hundredth steps are infinitely easier. So just take that first step, plant a seed, start growing a garden, do what you can and really uh, you know, put your money where your mouth is, right? If you know this stuff, you believe it, start making that change.
0: Okay, so if people were thinking, I live in a certain state in the United States, or I even, I have some listeners that are o- overseas, I suppose growing some perennials would be a great idea. Now, if you don't have your own property, if you're living in an apartment, that's not gonna work. Uh, you can definitely grow some of your own food, but um, if, you do, if, if you are fortunate enough to have your own property, I suppose you could look into what are some of the perennials that grow in my area that I could put those seeds in the ground. Uh, I don't know if this is the right season to start you can, you can start growing um, fruit trees in the fall.
2: Yeah, you yes, can you get some can... stuff in the ground. And what this is the perfect season to do is to start planning, start designing so that when springtime comes, you can get that system in the ground and get it set up the right way. You know, that, that's really where I've personally seen many homesteaders and people who want to live more self-reliant fail is that they go in without a plan. They go in without a design and they either plant things in the wrong place, maybe they put it on top of their septic mound and the roots are gonna clog the system, or maybe they put it in a shade trap, which doesn't get enough sun to grow it, or they get too many animals and they can't provide the feed and they actually got the animals to hopefully feed themselves, yet they're spending more money on feeding the animals than they would have just buying the, uh, the, the meat themselves. So really going into it with a thoughtful design will save you time, and money and get you such better results. So now is a perfect time of year to do that.
0: (laughs) And that's where you guys come in. You guys have designs for sale, for small plots, large plots, all the way from doing it yourself to having someone come help you,
1: right? That's right, and every design is custom. So we look at the zone, that's really important. The question, what plants already are proven to grow well, in the zone you're in and then we look and work with the customer to find out what their vision and goals are and then we look at the landscape and we find out how to fit their vision and goals into the landscape it's a it's an incredible process when people realize how many different types of food that they can grow it blows their minds it's amazing well so the other you know i kind of want
0: to ask about off-grid now too it's such a like household term now, off-grid living. And so what exactly does that mean?
1: Well, like, I don't know if you could see this house over here, but you see how the roof is slanted towards the south? That is designed to capture the most energy. So off-grid is about designing systems that function relative to the goal. And the goal is to capture and store as much energy and to produce as much yield as one can produce. So for instance, we don't use our property like every HOA community, they use their property as it's a liability on their balance sheet. It's an expense. Our property is a food production system. The pickerel weeds are edible. These are all bananas and fruit trees and we've got 14,000 fish in the pond. And so our property becomes a system of producing value. So we don't share the expenses. We share the profits generated from the land.
0: Okay. When hey Jim, you got something right here. <laughs> you got a berry in your tooth. you been mm. eating- I had a I had a mulberry in my tooth. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. <Betsy>. It's hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. That's hilarious. I've never um Love I it. always tell people when they have something in their teeth, but I've Thank never you not, you might need a toothpick, dude. <laughs> Looking good. Um mm. so- no, I got it. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, when I think of off-grid, I think of you don't need uh, city water. You don't need the uh, your local electric uh, company.
1: Right.
0: Uh, that's really what I think. When I think of the grid, I think of electricity and water and being plugged into uh, what, what we need to buy from. Yeah. The, the system in order to survive. I, I suppose you there's different levels of being off grid, like, like growing your own food, then you don't need the grocery yeah. store. Um, yeah. um f- Figuring out how to be vibrantly healthy. So you don't need the medical system, homeschooling yeah. your children. So you don't need the education system. It, it goes Um, that I guess off grid has a lot of layers like that.
2: Exactly. Yeah. There, there's so many layers, but it, it's you, you've, hit the nail on the head. It's removing the middleman between yourself and what you need to live to thrive. So not having a middleman between yourself and your energy or yourself and the ability to heat your home or to provide your water or your electricity. So, and it's funny too, because most people, they have no idea. They just turn on the tap. They don't know what's in that water. They don't even know where it started from or where it came from. So, Not only are you taking that power back in terms of not supporting someone else or not losing the energy, the currency, the money for having to gain access to that, but you also gain the clarity and the knowledge of where's this even coming from? And you end up with something that is superior, the water that you're getting from the sky or from the ground on your property. It's not pumped full of fluoride. It doesn't have uh, pharmaceutical residue and stuff in it. It's clean. It's the way that it's meant to be. So you end up with a more vibrant health and a more vibrant lifestyle from taking those steps.
0: Okay, so when it comes to getting off grid um, from for energy purposes, you pretty much, solar is where is what people do, but solar, you end up having to have the lithium batteries and I know they're problematic. Where, where is solar right now? I haven't talked to anyone about that in a while, except that I know that lithium batteries, like electric cars are one of the uh, biggest backwards things that we ever got sold. We were told that they were uh, good for the environment when it turns out they're far harder on the environment in, in the big spectrum of uh, just from yep. the, how they make the batteries. They, they just destroy a landscape to create a lithium battery. Then the what do you do with the battery once it doesn't work? And then charging your car actually uses the electricity that they were telling everybody, oh, you can't have to use small light bulbs that you know you can't have a hundred watt light bulb anymore, but you need to go charge your Tesla, and that's going to come from the local power plant, which is burning coal. You know, so I mean, I know that that was just like a big scam that got pulled over on us. So I'm wondering about solar. Is that what y'all do when you consider being off grid? What What are you doing for energy? We ha-
1: oh, so we have levels of redundancy. We have solar systems. We have a small wind generator system to keep the batteries trickle charged. We have several types of fuel contained here. And we're also working with people like Darren Olean. Darren has incredible energy systems coming to market. And, And we've talked to many other people that have efficient energy systems. I've talked to a bunch of people who also say they have the free energy things. And I'm like, great, show me, right? But but even without the free energy stuff, there's so many better energy systems that are out there, and we're going to become demonstrators at the Freedom Farm Academies of all of these systems.
2: Yeah, and something I would add about solar is everything that you said is valid, and I agree. I actually think there's a reason why we've seen solar becoming the most pervasive uh, system for alternative energy, because... You're still dependent on, you can't manufacture your own batteries, right? Or your own panels. But they have become increasingly uh, less expensive. I mean, the prices, if you look just over the 10 years, it is so much more affordable to get started. So I see it as being a stepping stone into becoming totally liberated, totally off grid from an energy standpoint. I currently rely on solar, I use AGM batteries, which are. Uh, More similar to like a lead acid, but it's actually actually a gel mass, so they don't off gas and you don't have to top them off with distilled water or do that kind of maintenance. But yeah, what Jim said is there are so many other systems which have been suppressed for a long time. I mean, you think about hydrogen and running cars off of water and other technologies that really have just been kind of squashed. They don't want to see that come out because they can't control it. You think of Tesla's energy versus, you know, his competitors, he wanted free energy, something that wouldn't be metered. And so that's why that was squashed. But we're now seeing it coming to a point where these technologies are becoming increasingly more simple. And so that they, once the idea is out there, you can't stop the idea. And so once the, it's proven and you can see how to do it, one of the systems I'm most inspired by actually came from our friend Scott over at uh, Earthen Biotech And it captures energy in the form of heat and creates heat batteries and the battery itself is just thermal mass so you're not strip mining the planet and pulling lithium out of the ground or causing that destruction it's simply going into highly insulated thermal mass which can be converted into energy it can be used to heat your water it can be used for so many different purposes so i see that kind of being the next stepping stone in between where we're at now with solar and wind and hydroelectric and total free energy, like Jim talked about zero point, you know, Uh, I think we'll get there eventually, but I think there's going to be a few stepping stones in between here and there.
0: All right. Well, so Jim, you just keep plucking fruit and eating it.
1: What are you eating now? Uh, Guava. And I had some uh, Jamaican cherries and I'm so you guys, start growing food. My buddy up in Northern Minnesota, he has 300 different types of food growing in his farm, more than we have here in Northern Minnesota. So it's time to start. And then if you want to become a demonstrator, that's where the real joy is. And here's the, one of the most incredible functions of demonstrating freedom is that we are creating a freedom community. And the freedom communities are so important because shit is hitting the fan. It's I believe, and I hope to be wrong, that there's no way to stop the collapse of the current unsustainable system. So then what's gonna come next? Well, that's up to you and I. It's time for leaders to lead and demonstrating this is so joyful. It's also a great creation of value And in true capitalism, it's about the voluntary exchange of value. So now we're becoming true capitalists by providing an epic service for our community. It's a lot
2: of fun. And by shifting that value, becoming a demonstration center. And let's say you want to become a Freedom Farm Academy, which we would actually train you how to offer these services for your community to become uh, a hub where they they can show up get inspired and take that experience home you can have your own design and installation side of the business to help empower others and really not only reap the savings and security for your household but turn this into a regenerative entrepreneurship growing freedom and abundance for your community but when we shift that value system and we think about the system that's being created as a demonstration center as a freedom farm academy Yes, it can be valued in money, but let's say if the economy collapses, what about the other value that's been put in there? There is the value which is intrinsic in its ability to sustain life. And what greater value can you find than the ability to support life of all kinds, not just mankind, but your local flora and fauna? Everything becomes more enriched and benefits from creating these ecosystems.
0: My dog is barking her head off, so I cut my mic. I don't know what she sees out there. Ah, uh, she's losing it. Okay, sorry about that. Um, so what does it entail? If someone said, "Okay, I've got ten acres. I've got fifty acres. I'd like to become a a food forest, um, one of these demonstration places. What what do they do?"
2: So reach out to us so we can talk you through the process. And when you decide, hey, you're ready to go, where it all starts is, of course, with design. So it's triggered in phase one. You submit a deposit and you uh, sign our membership agreement, which is an epic agreement. It's based on the principles and ethics of permaculture, not force and control and violence. It's not a franchise or any of that BS. So we get started there. We visit the site, we read the landscape, we get to meet you, learn your why, tell your story. And through that process, you even get a permaculture design certification course through our friends at Verge Permaculture. So you get to take a deep dive into the knowledge. Then we work together collaboratively to create a design for your property that is going to inspire, it's going to have all of these different components, it's gonna have all of the functionality of a permaculture landscape design. And we craft a proposal to take it to an installation. During the installation, we send out a crew of the the best within our network to actually instruct you and guide you and your friends and your family and your community through the hands-on application of permaculture. So not just learning the theory, but learning how to do this as a business or do it for yourself at the highest professional level so that you can offer that as a service you get that training for how to do this as a business and by involving the community that ignites them that sparks them wanting to do this and it also gets them excited about what you're putting into the ground so that they can come back and see it again and again and experience it i mean if you look at the transformation there at galt's landing over just a few months. I mean, Jim has these before and after pictures, which we'll have to to show you. It's incredible the way that the landscape can transform. So that's really what this process looks like. We come out there, we get the before and after pictures and uh, we get this thing ready for launch and support you every step of the way so that you can not only have your family thriving, but you can also have a thriving business.
0: Okay so I would love I know that it's it it very like if you wanted someone to come like if you if someone wants to buy a design there's there's different prices for those um I'd love to get a little bit of that out to people because I'm sure people are thinking hmm some of these things sound expensive um and it as and I'm sure the bigger the project, the more expensive it is. So give us a few um, ideas of the price. I know that everyone is individual, but like a smaller design for a backyard yes. versus a larger farm, um, and then maybe becoming one of the um, the demonstration places.
1: Awesome. So the I want to first <laughs> say anybody can grow food with a very very small budget. If you want to just do it yourself, and you've got 20 bucks. Then you can go (laughs) to the store and you can buy a bunch of uh, fruits and veggies in the organic section and you can actually plant many of those seeds, right? So what we offer is the ability to speed up time and a permaculture design for a landscape, a standard quarter acre is about $1,197 and it's a custom document. So that's $1,197. And it's a custom document that takes our designers an average of four and a half hours. Plus, we've got all of the collaborative networks involved. So it's an, it's an investment. Growing food is, for me, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, quite literally. I am putting as much as I can put in to growing food right now as what I believe to be the most logical investment I could make with my fiat dollars, which are going to hell. So, okay. uh, so, so, so that's
0: the start. Okay, yeah, and then if someone, what about becoming one of these design centers where people like you, you wanna dive in? Yeah,
2: Yeah. so uh, to become a demonstration center, uh, Freedom Farm Academy, uh, it is a $15,000 fee to start that phrase, phase one process. That includes the site visit, the documentation, us actually engaging in the community and securing strategic partnerships. So we approach this the same way we would a permaculture project in, say, the developing world or uh, overseas, in that we want to have that community buy-in and we want to cooperate with what's there rather than competing. So when we go out and we engage the community during phase one, we set up partnerships with local beekeepers and apiaries, solar companies, rainwater, uh, hatcheries, you know, giving People, the abilities or anything that they see there on site, they can get connected with that. They can bring that experience home and you will actually get a, a referral fee for having that partnership in place. And what's beautiful about that is that's a two way road. So when you start sending business to them, they want to send business to you. And I'll tell you right now, the people who are interested in harvesting their own solar energy or, you know starting to get bees or maybe starting to collect rainwater are also interested in growing their own food. So they're going to say, hey, are you thinking about growing your own food? Well, let me tell you about my friends at Freedom Farm Academy. Go check them out. It's an incredible experience. And so you get that community buy-in and you get an instant referral network. So
0: how many of these do y'all have? I know you've got Galt's Landing in Florida. And are you one in in Montana? Are you one of the
2: So I'm actually working at uh, becoming a demonstration center where I am currently, I am very, very far away from people. So it's not really the the most ideal place to do this. But I I personally am, our family is looking at moving again so that we can become one. But we've got one uh, getting started in Washington state. We've got one, uh, a membership agreement signed in South Africa in Johannesburg. We've got one, happening in Ghana, in Thailand, of course, Jim there in Florida, and many more that are just right behind. Uh, Actually one in South Carolina as well. So this is a a new movement, a new opportunity, but it is spreading like wildfire.
0: So if someone wanted to come visit one in the United States, the the best one to come to is there in Florida? Yeah, okay.
2: Yep, go visit Jim at Galt's. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun cruising around this place.
0: I think I'd like to definitely make a trip out there and see it. I mean, you just gave us a nice tour. That was really awesome. For yeah. those of you listening, if you're not watching, uh, Jim's been walking around. How many acres is it?
1: Uh, this is 52 acres.
0: Jim's been walking around the 52 acres, showing us everything, the papayas and the guavas and the berries and eating them and getting berries in his teeth. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, uh, is there what else do you guys want to want to let everybody know? Well,
1: I, I do want to share. we're in um, putting a Freedom Pharma Academy at a school here in St. Cloud, Florida very, very soon. Like on November 5th, we're doing the first phase install and it's going to be on camera, it's going to be on film. And the school owner, the founder, her name is Patty, she's incredible and she is going to actually turn this into an opportunity for the kids to engage with the community, to teach the community how to grow food and then be part of the food supply chain in St. Cloud, which is, it's gonna go viral. So uh, it's so exciting
0: to see where you've come. I heard you early on. I didn't realize that this was brand new to you. You were so, you came out of the gates with this idea of yours, this food forest abundance (laughs) idea and you were on fire yeah. in your enthusiasm and your knowing that we can do this. You had the vision, the yeah. vision came to you. And it was like, this is it. If we, this yeah. is one of the answers to our global problems as human yeah. humans, and we all have to eat. And you saw it coming before the rest of us did. We didn't see these food shortages and stuff coming until I want to say maybe a year ago, we started to become, hmm, there's they're not letting the ships into harbors. What's going to happen? You know, stuff like that. We started becoming aware. And so the, where you've gone, I mean, you've gone from three uh, employees, three people working at yep. to how many? Yep, uh, thir- over
1: 1,300 now, and we're in about 15 countries, and we're in almost every U.S. state. So look what you can do people if you get the idea
0: look what Jim has shown us we can all do we're all capable of getting out there, because of the Internet you've done hundreds of interviews you've gone and spoken hundreds of times, and you've reached thousands and thousands of people I don't know how many people you've reached.
1: I don't know either, but it's a lot of fun because we see the shift happening at an exponential rate.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: That's like the ripples in a pond. Yep. And and Victor Hugo said there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world. And that is an idea whose time has come. Well, having a mind free of programming is the idea and using our resources wisely is the next logical result of that.
0: Well, you've inspired me. We've, awesome. I've got access to a property that's that we don't, we don't use it enough in central Texas. And I could definitely do something there and I'm going to start really thinking about it. So awesome. you might have another disciple.
1: <laughs> a freedom lover. We're,
0: we're all oh, already there. Yeah.
1: I love it. Well,
0: um, I am so happy to have had you guys today. Is there anything else
1: either of you want to leave the, the listeners with? Well, just a thank you. We're having a lot of fun. Join us if it feels like an inspired idea. We would love to work with you.
0: Well, you know, maybe one, one question for you, Michael, is you've got a young family. And I know there's a lot of people with young families right now that are going, I want to do that. Uh, what could you give them as a couple of steps to take it and, and you know, what, how, if you're feeling stuck, if you're stuck in a job or you're, you know, you've, you figured out how to, for one, one of you to go to work and the other one to stay home so that you can raise your children and not turn them over to the state, other people to raise and, and indoctrinate um, and you're feeling stuck and you want more than anything to figure out how to be out on the land and do this, what would be some suggestions you might have to get people started if they're feeling stuck?
2: So firstly, and most importantly, hang on to that dream. Have that vision because really it's the vision and the end goal that you see for yourself that is going to allow you to design the path there. So I've had this dream for a very long time, more than 12 years, and it was thinking about... How can I get my family there? And really it could have taken much less time than that had I known now what I did then. But think about how can you start again, taking your power back, start saving some money, which you will save money by becoming a little bit more self-reliant and start working toward that dream of how can I make this work for my family? So if that means getting out of the city, shifting over to more of a remote career where you can work remotely if that means not necessarily getting out of the city, but just getting the land or the property, see what is within your grasp. Even if you have to to rent a place that has a large property, that's where I started too, and I started gardening there. And so I gradually took steps to becoming more more self-reliant into home ownership. But what I will say too, is that if you are thinking of starting a family, if you already have a family, Just do it because having my children come up in this, my son at four years old can do things that I couldn't do for 20 years of my life. I mean, he can build a better fire in my wood stove than most adults that I know. And so he is growing up in this environment, seeing what I'm doing. And it is so incredible to just experience the way that your children take it in. I mean, they are just looking at you. They are watching what you're doing and absorbing it. And so when you start living as more of a role model, taking action and showing them, especially during this crazy turning point in history where the books are being written, you know, cementing yourself into the right side of that and taking action to be more free rather than just complying and going along with it and sinking further and further into this matrix, you know, they're going to see what you were doing now and they're going to remember it. So whether it is harvesting stuff in the garden and seeing the magical look on his face or just, you know, watching me with hand tools out there, learning how to do stuff that I didn't know how to do growing up. I mean, I grew up in uh, the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, as you know, far plugged into the matrix as you could pretty much be. And just having the courage and the dream to extract myself out of that, the journey has been pure magic. So. Um, you know, we could get more detailed there, but that's the, the most important thing is just hang on to that dream.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So the best way to get in touch with you is through the website and the email. You gave an email. I will put those in the show notes. So anyone who's interested in getting in touch with Jim or Michael or Food Forest Abundance, uh, it's easy to do. You can follow us both on Telegram. Food Forest Abundance is on there. Freedom Junkie Radio is on there. Is there anywhere else that people can follow you, Jim?
1: Yeah, all the social media platforms, uh, Food Forest Abundance. And then we got the show, the Jim Gale Show, which is a podcast with amazing guests, like mind-blowing, amazing wisdom is shared by our guests on this show. So join us all over social media and the Jim Gale Show.
0: Great. Thank you so much. This is so inspirational. And I just appreciate you, Jim. You're a pioneer and you're uh, a visionary. And you're one of these people, you know, I I was listening to some of the things you said. Uh I just went back just to prep myself for kind of where you're at right now. And and I heard you say, you know, my kids seven or eight generations from, from now might be assholes again. But I can't, I can't think, you know, like they might be trying to rule the world or something which probably will happen because that's human that's what we do you know we like to take over other people and enslave them that's what we've always done so there could be a paradigm shift where suddenly we're more angelic creatures but that has yet to to yeah be seen but um i just appreciate you and all of the seeds that you've planted and i'm speaking metaphorically there and, uh, and Michael, it's so nice to see you having sprouted as well and doing what you're doing in a whole other region of the country. So I, I just appreciate you both taking the time to be here today and share with us. I just it's wish it's been a you- pleasure.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much, Betsy. Thank you for having me and thank you, your audience for listening. And, uh, please just remember, you know, whether you feel inspired, you want to work alongside us, or you just want to start taking action in your own life you are more powerful than you could ever know. And you are the solution. So just step into that. It's our divine right. It's the reason we're here. And uh, we're on that, that ebb and flow right now, I think heading more toward the, the higher side. So even though it, it could come back right now, we are heading toward solutions and we're heading back to nature. So have the courage to act.
0: Thank you and freedom junkies. Uh, until we meet again, ciao. Ciao. <laughs> Than a king ever did. I live.